0: I believe in Christ, he is my King, with all my heart to him I'll sing. I'll raise my voice in praise and joy, in grand amens my tongue employ. Scriptures reveal the divine desires of the Lord in our behalf each of us should have a burning desire to search the scriptures diligently and daily to seek the will of the lord in our life brothers and sisters on very thin pages thick with meaning are some almost hidden scriptures hence we
1: are urged to search feast and ponder
2: if you are lonely please know you can find comfort if you are discouraged please know you can find hope. If you are poor in spirit, please know you can be strengthened.
0: If you feel you are broken, please know you can be mended.
2: Hey everyone, welcome to Go and Do. Um, this lesson is Second Nephi chapters 11 through 25. And uh, I'm Daniel.
1: And I am Feely.
0: And I'm David.
2: And yeah, we're joined by Dave Hansen today. Um, we're going to be talking about how Isaiah testifies of Christ, what it means of the raising of an ensign to the world, and how the mountain of the Lord can help us walk in his paths, spreading the light of the gospel throughout different parts of the world. Some of the symbols that Isaiah uses to testify of Christ Um what the words lofty and haughty mean as Isaiah uses them and uh, the the propensity that mankind has to make evil good and good evil and try to uh, corrupt the things of the Lord but ultimately um, we're reminded by Isaiah to rejoice in Christ and that we can be saved by the grace of God after all that we can do so I I think the the biggest challenge of this is um, of this lesson is specifically that they're the Isaiah chapters, and that carries some mystique. It seems like, you know, we always talk about how oh, I've read the Book of Mormon 40 times, but I always get stuck in the Isaiah chapters. And it's almost like there's this huge barrier. But hopefully, as we go talking through this, we'll see that as we break into different parts, that it's really not that overly complicated. That a lot of the stuff he's saying, though he uses a lot of symbolism and imagery and metaphor, um, that it's not incredibly complex, you know. When you when you break that stuff down, it makes a lot more sense.
1: Can I throw some out there? Yeah, just real quick. I really like how, you know, earlier on in First Nephi 19, he he also Nephi shares some Isaiah chapters. Uh, well, not chapters, Isaiah revelations and prophecies. Mm-hmm. And the last one is the famous one, the the uh, well, the last, almost second to last verse of, of of chapter 19, where he says, where he explains that they read many scriptures themselves. They read the books of Moses. And I said, and then he says, And I did read unto them which was, that which was written by the prophet Isaiah, for I did liken all scriptures unto us, that it might be for a prophet in learning. and uh, <clears throat> And I really like that because, there's a pattern I see with the tree of life that, that we've previously studied where where Nephi is confronted with the question, do you know the condensations of God? And he says no. And in response to understand the, the purposes and the condensation of God, he's shown Christ's ministry, mm-hmm. his birth, his life, and, and what will happen. And we kind of see, I kind of sense a similar pattern here with Isaiah. He begins speaking about how many examples on how the Lord will deliver his people. how He will succor them and, and so forth. And then it goes into the life and ministry of the Savior. I think God's people were always meant to be an enzyme to the world. The Israelites were meant to be an example. And all of the laws given to them, all of the... The traditions and 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 were to point to the Savior, to remind us of Him, and I see Isaiah here just saying that's coming back. Mm-hmm. The Lord is not done; it's coming back again, yep. and that's why I feel like Nephi, and and Mormon, and and these these little, um, you know Book of Mormon mm-hmm. prophets would would put this in here
2: when we're, when we're talking about an ensign it, it's talking about a few specific things, but, I mean, the temple serves as one of those. Uh-huh. Um, the Book of Mormon serves as one of those. When we're, when we're talking about the people of God themselves as individuals can be a way to show the world that God is still here and is still aware of us and still wants us to, to follow and that the church has been restored and all of that. I mean, we have a hymn about that, you know, where it's like the word of God is going to go forth. And there's an ensign showing us what to look to, what to follow. And as a warning for those who need it and as a comfort for those who need it, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm trying to understand is how, how different people perceive, you know, what that symbol might be or what that ensign for them might be.
1: Yeah, and, and the, the people, the Lord's people have always been called to be a peculiar people. I often, I used to think that just meant we were to be different. But I also think it also gives us the expectation that it's okay to be different. You know, I think that's more to us, to let us know that as we continue down our path of discipleship, it's okay that our sometimes the way we dress, sometimes the way we talk, the way we act, the way we worship will be different. And as much as it was called for back then, it's still relevant to us. Yeah?
0: Something that was really important that overwhelmed me, I had to go through this two things. I had to go through it a couple of times simply for the fact that I realized I had to liken this lesson unto myself mm-hmm. and where I'm at. And it even talks about that in there is that we're supposed to liken the scriptures unto us just like we did the New Testament and Christ and his teachings. In that manner of likening it unto us and what you're talking about the enzyme the thing that actually Was important to me was exactly what it talked about uh, it talks Isaiah talks about things that If we had 2020 20 vision and we were looking back We might be able to relate to so I'm going to give you one of the examples when he talks about in the last days that the uh, let's see and I can't remember which scripture it's in but it's at the beginning of this reading and it talks about in the mountains the Lord will form his church or that that's where it will reside and that the world will flow unto it and It's funny you talk about enzyme There are a lot of things that they refer to as enzyme peak around here There's <laughs> you know in other words they they look and you talk about the temples but the thing that really stood out to me in this and it's something that Our area has talked about even since the beginning of the Olympics in 2002. The whole title of that was to light the world, to bring a light unto them and talking about. And if you think about what our recent prophets have talked about, even this last Christmas was to light the world one by one and to bring knowledge to the world. So what you're talking about is to whether it's the spirit of the law, whether the the same way. The Jews have been so kind in delivering the letter of the law to us. Are they blending both back in, in those examples of enzymes? And I think you're right. For everybody, it's something personal. For me, the reason I bring up where they talked about coming back to the mountains was I had a very close friend when I was in high school who had chosen definitely the wrong path and had come up to Utah, his mother had sent him back up to Utah and said, would you mind if he spends a summer with you? And my family was very open to the opportunity. And instead of being a bad experience, it was one of the best experiences I ever had because of the enzyme scenario. And I asked him specifically, and it had to do with geographic location. And I said, so what did you think when you were coming to Salt Lake City? And he said, and it had to do with coming up into the mountains. I says you flew up and flew up to Salt Lake City. You went up to a high height of thirty thousand feet, then you landed. And he says, but there was a distinct feeling in his heart, and he could see the land rising, and he understood that whatever he felt, he would have a clarity of what he was supposed to do for the rest of his life. And the most amazing thing was he talked about the enzyme here in Utah, just basically the people. How they operated and he literally thought all hope was lost to him because of his sin And he just began to To weep one evening and I says it's not lost to you, but i'm not an ecclesiastical leader You can but that's what love is or that's what enzyme is and he sought it out and this particular brother Has been an example ever since he went on to lead an exemplary life have a great family become a bishop But he got that flying in a plane even, which surprised me, because I thought if you were crossing some physical land like the Pioneers, you would understand the change. But to him, just even literally traveling to Salt Lake City and having that message hit his heart again, as a young kid in high school myself, I realized it was such a strong message as to he knew at that age, he knew the difference between the paths he was on and the Enzyme was exactly as you said. He saw the temple, he, heard, he, he saw something that touched him.
1: You know, as, as you were talking, I, I thought to myself, how wonderful it was that, you know, the pioneers, they were searching for Zion. And for the most part, it became here, the valley, you know. The, the, everything kind of just blossomed here. And it became a light, and then over the years, as the brethren have talked about the influences of the adversary grow, that light, those temples are lighting all over the world.
2: Yeah, I was going to say all over, it, you know, that those temples serve as an ensign for people everywhere. And I think it's really, it's really cool because those temples serve as an ensign for everyone everywhere. I served my mission in Guatemala, and the city is kind of, you know, a big giant city. There's nice areas. There's not so nice areas, but the temple is pure white and it's in a pretty nice area of the city. But even so, as you're kind of going, coming up the hill on the bus to where the temple is, it's kind of apartment buildings and businesses and whatnot. And then all of a sudden it just kind of opens up and there's this giant pure white building there. And people would say, you know, I don't know anything about your church, but you guys have that really pretty building, right? And it doesn't matter where you are, people recognize that as something different, something special. And so it could be in Ukraine, it could be in Guatemala, it could be in Australia, it doesn't matter where. That, that end sign is still valid for those people, and they see it, and it's like, what is that about? You know, They've even asked us, you know, I've, I've seen that building before, what do you do there? what is that for? And so that opens up a huge door for an opportunity to share the gospel. You know, as a missionary, it was great. Cause we're like, you can go there, <laughs> you know, you, you can, everyone has the opportunity to, to experience the temple and to get the blessings therein. And I just think it's really cool that, um, like you said, at one point it was like here in Salt Lake was where everything had to go down. But then over time it was more like, um, Lift where you stand.
1: Yeah, you know? the fire was lit around the world to combat all the evil. Yeah, you know, that, that's that's happening in our day. Here's a quick quote um, from President Gordon B. Hinckley, and it's in in one of his most um, popular general conference talks in 1975, and it's titled "The Symbol of Christ." And he goes to share the example of um, he as he gives tours of our temples and meeting houses that uh, he often gets asked, well, why don't you have a symbol of the cross? Why don't you have a mm-hmm. symbol of this? Why, why are your meeting houses, for the most part, pretty plain, yeah. you know? He's asked, if you do not use the cross, what is the symbol of your religion? And he says, I reply that the lives of our people must become the only meaningful expression of our faith, in fact, therefore, the symbol of our worship."
0: I love that and that actually leads into the second verse of what I was referencing in the first place. Let me I'll start out with 2nd Nephi chapter 12 Verse 2 to begin with and it says and it shall come to pass in the last days when the mountain Of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains And shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it but what you talked about and as you were talking about this it brought an impression to me not only about the temples and what they stand for for the light but the people who come out of the temples and take a message forward or come out of having touched an ensign and take the light forward and it says and many people in verse 3 and many people shall go and say come ye and let us go up into the mountain of the lord to the house of the god of jacob and he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. It, the enzyme can be many things, including the people who go back out right. and like the world one by one. And something else that's interesting is through the reading this week, I noticed that Isaiah talks about two things, and actually, Nephi talks about it as well as to who he absolutely loves, and he loves proving that Christ will come. He's talking about in the future with uh, third Nephi as to when he appears there unto the the continents of the Americas. But specifically um, that he loves proving Christ and he loves the covenants Christ gives unto his people. And what's interesting is that it's said so differently than how we look at it, at least myself. Is to sometimes you look at those covenants and the knowledge as a burden is to (laughs) I'm expected to have accountability but it even says it right here in other words when they talk about how joyful they are and that was kind of something that helped me with my reading of this week's lesson with Isaiah is to it can be very difficult and it can be hard as you're likening it unto yourself but I realized my attitude wasn't that in joy it was okay i've got to understand this and i've got to have 20 20 vision rather than realizing the enzymes are and i don't know what all of it means when it pertains specifically to these verses but the feeling of what you said is to there's a knowledge that comes forth from the enzyme and that's the most important part
1: right one thing when you were talking i thought to myself when you mentioned our covenants, and sometimes we feel this is restrictive, or this is something I need to do, or it's. But I, I often find, I, I felt that way at times. I felt like, oh, I wish I can't could do that, go or buy I can, stuff you know? on Sunday. It's almost like you're on a <laughs> diet. <laughs> yeah, I can't yeah. have donuts. No, no, I love donuts, <laughs> but I can't have. Them. But it something changes when you when you decide to be all in. And 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 for me, often at times, even with when I learn something new or when I'm expected or given a calling, I have to take the example of Lehi and Nephi, we're, we're, we're commanded to go, go. We're not turning back to Jerusalem, or or um, Abraham and and um, what was his nephew. Lot, Lot, Abraham mm -hmm, and Lot, mm -hmm. and and his wife turns back and turns into a pillar of salt. There's some symbolism there about if you turn back, this journey will be very difficult. And it might not even be successful to you. If you keep a foot in Babylon, all of this is not going to feel right. But if you decide to go on the journey, it will change your nature. What you thought you couldn't love, you will learn to love. You know, you will feel things you never felt before. And that's the brewing up of your conversion. Yeah. You know, there's something here in the lesson manual that it says, it might help to remember that many of Isaiah's teachings about the Savior are conveyed through symbols. For example, you may see the Savior in symbols such as the Lord of the vineyard, a stone, and a light. What other symbols of Jesus Christ do you find in these chapters? You know?
2: Yeah, I think, first of all, the use of those, of the, those exact symbols are really important. Lord of the Vineyard um, kind of talks about how he is, is planting and he's, he's over this vineyard. And that's a symbol of how he probably views the world and us, where we take time to cultivate. We take time to prune we take time to refine that at first it's a wild grape you know and we're kind of unruly sometimes but with time and refinement we can become uh, a really good and high quality product and then the stone is i just picture that as you know he's a, a a firm foundation that kind of thing and light we've talked about that already but the light of christ spreads in all of us and You can't see without it. You don't know what's going on without light. It drastically changed civilization when we were able to harness light through electricity and have it in our homes whenever we wanted. You know, imagine that kind of thing, but spiritually. Once we're able to have light and be able to access it whenever we want, it drastically changes your view of the world. Those that live without it are trying to scrape by and find where the light is coming from and go to it. But once they realize that they have it within themselves
0: to have it with them all the time
2: that that symbol is very meaningful for me
0: well this is the symbol that came to my mind and this came upon a visit when i had visited jerusalem and was on a tour and i wish that i could remember the exact procedure that they went through outside the temple but i will refer directly to Second Nephi chapter 14 and it's talking about what happens is to when we are filthy and it's talking specifically about the daughters of Zion and In this specific instance is I'm gonna refer to washing so whether it be a washing of light or whether it be a literal washing But to me this was a symbolism and it says when the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst. of Thereof by the spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning You know, what's interesting is we don't go through that but literally even the symbolizing symbolism of baptism and of washing whether it be the washing of One's own body to take care of one's own temporal temple or whether it's the washing of the spirit in the teachings But it's interesting, it takes both. It takes the washing and the burning. And I thought, it's so funny as to how with light, or with what they refer to as to Christ, both of those things were so important in his ministry, and even it is mentioned in symbolism by Isaiah over and over again.
1: I like how, well, as I I look at these chapters as a whole, we enter a section... Where he starts to warn against pride. He starts to warn against how things are going to be in the future. They're going to be vastly different than what we think is normal now. Like um, like that verse in verse 15. Um, chapter 15, verse 20. Woe to them that call evil good and good evil. That put dark darkness for light and light for darkness. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. You know? And I look at that and think, wow, that is how we live now. There's so much out there, social media, things, advertisements. It's it's a
0: lot more than that. That The thing that's interesting, and I'll just relate a personal experience, is to you can't go through the years that I have in life and not have had to incorporate the principle of repentance in your life over and over again. But there was a time when I was inactive and I was living in a very large city. And it was really interesting as to how one's mind, people will try try to warp the light, if you will. It's almost, it looked like it was, it almost felt like. And people, and people not of our religion, would understand other people. And they sp- spoke specifically of people who were Muslim and Jewish and christian but they talked about people who have true intent of heart they will try to go somewhere and everybody else will try to warp their words whether you're muslim and you're seeking for mecca and the things that lead you to heaven or whether you're jewish and you're looking for the future messiah or whether you're christian and you're trying to follow christ there was always this darkness and i don't know how to describe it other than we just knew that we were in a cesspool of not only literal darkness, but of light trying to be shined on certain things, making them what they were not. Right. And it, so it was nice to see other people of our faith, or not of our faith, to be able to see this, talk about this, and identify that. And that. And by the way, this for the whole lesson, this verse that you just mentioned was what was able to, for me to pierce the veil, for me to understand this lesson as to, wait a minute, what Isaiah is trying to say is there's truth. There's truth. It will come to pass. There will be witnesses that will come help you. But that we have to be able to search for those that are good, that are that are things that are good. Right. And search for that truth. And so it's... Um, a, I think this is one of the greatest challenges we have today. And it's not just even the social media. It's the other pressures that are put upon people. It was almost like going into a dark nightclub. And all of a sudden you have all of these external forces, whether it be the chemicals people put into their bodies or whether it be the way they take care of themselves or they take care of their families, it would always just bring a certain darkness upon themselves. And if they were to come back to find out what truly was good, versus what was evil, they had to return to core values. Right. Well,
2: it's yeah. interesting because <clears throat> as we talk about pride and kind of wanting to flip on its head what's good and bad, when, when people know they're doing something wrong and they get called out for it, which he does, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, they tend to make it want to sound like, well, what I'm doing is, is good. I love this. You know, I love this lifestyle. It's what I, it's what truly really makes me happy. And in the end, shouldn't we just do what makes us happy? So they're trying to say, I know what you're saying is that I should change my my ways. But you, what you don't understand is that that's suppressive. Like what we were talking about with the commandments. How, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't. People say, that's not what life is about. If we have freedom to choose, shouldn't we not be constrained by all these commandments? And that's exactly taking it on its head and flipping it over, right? And saying that by by constraining myself with all these commandments, I'm restricting myself instead of really seeing what it is that through obedience and through following the commandments, we're free. We're not constrained by our, our habits or whatever. It's that pride.
1: Well, the verse right before that, on chapter 15, verse 19, well, also 18. Let's start with 18. It says, Woe to them that draw iniquity with courts of vanity, and sin as if it were a cart rope. And then it says, That say, let him make speed, hasten his work, that we may see it, and let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh, and come, that we may know it. It's almost as, well, if there is a God... Let him come and prove himself. Let's <laughs> and they shouldn't it. be
0: tempting God. That's you know? not a good thing.
1: <laughs> and then it continues. Then he says, woe unto those that flip these things, that flip good for evil, evil for good. Woe unto the wise in their own eyes, you know, in their several woes. And, and it's when you were mentioning, you know, um, how if you, these other religions or, or paths that people take, that are passionate about you always have almost the great and spacious building always there mocking anyone and it's not always just our religion anyone that's willing to take a stand for something you know and what they want is they want everything acceptable but they believe nothing it's like they believe in everything and nothing at the same time mm-hmm. they, they live in a world <clears throat> of these paradoxes you know and that's that's what I find with a lot of debates that I hear is no one is willing to draw a line in the sand.
0: I actually had an experience where I was able to see, when I was working with a client, where I watched something miraculous happen, where somebody was able to draw that line in the sand. And the experience was uh, I had the luxury of working with a client who was in Beverly Hills, had a very large home, and we were having a luncheon. And uh, This client they're all wonderful people, but they just had a different view of the world But it was they were trying to change happiness or what was worldliness for happiness so there was a gentleman who Has had the number one jewelry chain in Bergdorf Goodman's which basically very very wealthy people from around the world including even the Duke and Duchess of Windsor came to them to make jewelry for them and so at this luncheon This particular gentleman with my parents there presented his sister with one of these large rings and they are definitely something that you would see like in the Tower of London locked up with jewels for royalty or for nobility and he presents this to her but it was wonderful what his sister said and now remember neither one of these are members of our faith but his sister was very clear in what she understood to be truth and happiness And it was funny, amongst all these trappings, she said to her brother, Do you understand that the wonderful thing I'm experiencing today isn't this ring that you're giving me? I want to be here just with you. It was wonderful to watch the look on my parents' face because as they walked out of this mansion... They said, you know, they said, we enjoyed it, but we felt exactly the same way. But we were afraid to tell that truth because we thought we would be looked at as lowly people Mm -hmm. from up in the mountains (laughs) who really were backwards. And when we were afraid to tell the truth, there is his own sister saying it in the most loving and kind way as to put the things of the world behind. You have much greater value to me. And when I watched that, I thought that is such a lesson as to what Christ would do. And she did it calmly and succinctly and went right back to what this was about, saying good is good and evil is evil. And she was trying to say that in the nicest way to him is to don't let yourself be distracted.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Isaiah uses the words lofty and haughty, right? And he uses them to describe these types of people that are caught up in their pride a little bit. And I don't know, the the meanings of those words are, are interesting to me. Lofty being high but we've talked about you know the mountain of the lord that's a high place it's a sacred place but you wouldn't categorize it as being lofty lofty is almost like no foundation no support it's just up there right
1: pretentious yeah
2: that it's just kind of like it's it's up in in these sky heights but there's nothing sustaining it there to, but air you know
0: the word today that would most liken that and me and you used this earlier said what what symbols are there? What do you liken it into? vaporware <laughs> In other words, it's kind of like the social medias as to you want to put the perfect Picture out there, but the reality is that the foundation underneath there if you have any wonderful experiences with your family or anything else you have everything that comes along within this work But it's almost like they just, and I get that. And that's the feeling I got even in that moment was they want to pretend that they're in nirvana all the time. And the reality is we're in a mortal world. And Isaiah is trying to say, and what's interesting is that um, as you read through this too, he does talk about the people who come under Christ. In other words, that's part of what he's talking about in his covenants is saying the person isn't bad, that God loves all of his children. But once again, he's trying to wash off or to refine and offer them an opportunity to to experience real joy.
1: Let me share the scripture with you guys and, and get your thoughts on uh, Second Nephi um, chapter 9 verse 39 uh, it says O my beloved brethren, remember the awfulness in transgressing against the holy God and also the awfulness of yielding to the enticings of the cunning one remember that to be carnally minded is death and to be spiritually minded is life eternal how do you see that fitting here with isaiah's words cuz cuz i think very much some of his warnings about pride are you're very temporally minded you're worried about the tinklings in the in the in the in the, in the jewelry and the in the things right yep. but you're not minding Minded or thinking let me correct that you're not thinking about the eternal things
0: a Thought that comes to my mind is There's a reason why they say that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God It's just a thought as I was reading through this lesson It was I thought specifically about Christ being able to walk on water And I thought why does he have this ability and we could even talk about the stone the refined stone christ i don't think that he commands anything i it's my own personal belief that as i've learned about him through come follow me he has a relationship with every element that's why he's god and he can ask just like he asks us as humans kindly and gently and we respond but he had to refine himself and i think the reason that he talks about things spiritually at least this is for me personally I have to guard my thoughts unceasingly because I've got to remember as to, I'm in a mortal body and they talk about this mortal body as to being an enemy to God. But I'm going, okay, Christ came to earth and he had a mortal body, but the reality was, I think even in his own body, he understood his spiritual intent and he had a better relationship with his own body than we even have. So that the uncleanliness... Whether we, whatever type of sin it may be, however it represents, I think it's just a matter of, at least for myself, trying to remember to garnish my thoughts with good and spiritual things. And I'm glad you brought that up because that is very personal. And I know having not have done that at certain moments in my time of this mortal existence and having to repent it's harder to re-manifest that and to go through it. It's possible, and there's definitely forgiveness, and there's the power of the atonement, but I think Christ is just trying to remind us, and that would be my take on it. Yeah, I think
2: you think about every time he spoke in the New Testament, um, it was to turn people towards the eternal perspective. It was never like he used parables in things that they did day to day, but they were not carnally minded examples and they were not he was never carnally minded he was turning them towards let's think about the spiritual aspects of this what does this mean for you spiritually and none of you would not describe christ as lofty or as haughty he had every right to be he was perfect and yet he came and was like i'm i'm just one of you i'm beneath you i'm i will put myself beneath everyone i will make myself the lowliest thing there is I will subject myself to everything. Why? So I can show that it's not these highfalutin people, right? <laughs> that get all of the that, that that's what God's looking for. He's not looking for that. He's looking for your humility, your submission to his will, and then you can become great.
1: You know, for me, I think the interesting thing about always reading Isaiah is it sends me to other scriptures, you know, <laughs> Yes. and, and uh, I hate to do that one more time. But in First Nephi, chapter 17, when Nephi is commanded to build a ship and his brothers are being stubborn and saying, you can't do that. He, you can't do that. And then he said, I know I can, but the Lord can teach me. Uh, I don't think he, he can, basically. And so he goes through and says, how can you say something? How can you not believe that the Lord can do all these things? And he goes through, remember the children of Israel. They were in bondage. Remember the miracles that Moses did. Remember the firing serpents. And, and, and all they had to do was to look. And some perished because they wouldn't even look. And then it gets all the way to verse 40, which is my favorite verse. And it says, And he loveth those who will have him to be their God. Behold, he loved our fathers, and he covenant with them, yea, even Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he remembered the covenants which he had made, wherefore he did bring them out of the land of Egypt. And this is Nephi after reading in the brass plates, reading the words of Isaiah, saying, I rejoice in these, I liken the scriptures unto us. And he's using those scriptures to combat his brothers and to help them understand how great the Lord is. All of these examples. And in in the and if and when I think of Isaiah and and his warnings and his prophecies and his advice, I think about this one sentence, and he and he loveth those who would lo- who would have him be their God. And I and I think that for me encompasses what why isaiah is in here because it's more examples of deliverance caution and here's what's going to happen you're going to have you know christ is going to be born you're going to have a second coming you're going to have the millennial reign you know and it's a very optimistic thing some sometimes we can think it's a lot of woe (laughs) because there is some of that some warning but there's also a lot of good and knowing that there will be bad and good helps us in our journey to go through that. It's as if it's as if you your parents tell you, "Hey, we're going to Disneyland in a car," <laughs> but they don't tell you that it's a 12 12 hour no a 20 hour drive, right? You know, there's something good at the end of it. But I I, I appreciate being told in the last days, man will call evil good and good evil. Because it makes things make sense.
0: You know that that's using that same analogy as to the trip and Disneyland, um, sometimes it's not even in the journey, it's just doing as President Monson said, and that is living in an attitude of gratitude. And something popped into my mind I was and I was thinking specifically about the content of chapter eighteen where it basically says that Christ will be as a stumbling stone and a rock of offense to those who are struggling. But I, this is this is what's interesting as to something came to my mind as to what the Lord did, jumping way ahead for the brother Jared when he was looking to cross the waters once again. Christ, having a relationship with with the universe and with with even rocks, was able to provide something in that moment for the brother of jared where he could light the ship but i also it just is an impression that came to my mind even if they needed to cook they wouldn't need to find fuel christ would have the ability to let those rocks heat or to cool or to do whatever in other words he under he has that full knowledge and he was trying to give something of love To the brother Jared, and I'm wondering how he felt in that moment—that love towards Christ, not just even crossing, but just knowing that he had that element, that physical element in his life, which was divinely given to him, to make him happy. To say, "I don't even have to reach the end of the journey; I can see it just as." And I'm wondering about the children of Israel when they even saw the waters open—the joy that must have been in their heart right in that moment, even though they still had to make an escape from pharaoh they had to have lived in an attitude of gratitude just in that moment for what what christ is giving to us to each of us and sometimes i wonder if we just pass over those moments and that helped me understand going back to the thing we talked about earlier when isaiah and nephi said that they enjoyed proving the presence of christ And what Christ is and in the covenants and I'm thinking with that example of the brother of Jared or any of the miracles of Christ the reality is is somehow I think we have those moments and how quickly do we look over those moments and not realize that's truth it can be changed and warped every other way through all of our mortal living but in that moment that's pure truth
1: and it's I like the example of the brother Jared because I feel often when I read that story that you're seeing the Lord coaching him through.
2: Yeah, because he doesn't just say, hey, I need you to cross the water. Here's some rocks that are glowing, right? You're going to need that. You're right. <laughs> or you're going
1: to need air. <clears throat> Let me tell you before, it's almost coaching. Yep. But then there's other examples where, you know, I mean, with, um, with for example, with Moses, it's, hey, I need you to go deliver my people. And he's probably thinking, I was not expecting this. <laughs> this was not part of my plan. Where the brother Jared knew, we need to go. Or even with Nephi and, and Lehi, we're going to a land of promise. How do we get there? Well, first you need to go get the plates. First you need to go get wives. First you need to, you know, get this, the and learn that it is a symbol. Of the Holy Ghost and how it works, right? And uh, one of the symbols I think of Christ is many of his names are almost symbols to us, you know, the great master or a teacher. And it's, and for us, I think that what for me is applicable is there are times in my life where I need help and I need to learn how to humble myself and assess where I'm at, what my plan is, and how to receive help. And sometimes the help is as strong as the guidance, you need to go do this. Or it's develop a talent you already have. Or seek out a talent you never thought you would ever need. Or you need to go ask for help, you know? And every single one of those he is with us and he will teach us and strengthen us. And sometimes we, we turn away the medicine because it didn't come in the packaging or in the flavor that we thought was most convenient. <laughs> we wanted the two-hour relief pill. We didn't want to change our eating habits, you know, or, or, or something like that, right? We, we want this outcome and we have formulated that this is how I want my answer to come. In, in uh, uh, I I don't think that at least for me that never really works. I almost always have to find that it's my pride.
0: Well, you know, it's it's interesting in bringing that forward, chronologically, and specifically back to the enzyme and what what is happening and what's supposed to happen that Isaiah talks about when he even talks about and I'm even looking forward to the New Jerusalem, but I look specifically with that comment at Brigham Young. And I'm going, so even in that process as to when he stood on top of the hill and he says, this is the place, boy, was this place in the Salt Lake Valley not packaged, I'm sure, the way that anybody had wanted and, and read through many of the diaries. Where they're like, are you sure? You know? Exactly. <laughs> like. And that's something else that hit me with, with reading through the rest of this lesson, too. And he talks about the last days and he talks about the new Jerusalem. But I realized, I thought, how many of us are ready for the new packaging that will come on? How many of us think that the current infrastructure that stands technically should be there versus whatever infrastructure that the Lord might deliver to us in creating? And it says in here that, that Christ, there will be days when Christ will shape the world. And whether that's physically or spiritually, we have to be prepared for how it is packaged. And it's interesting that you say that about humbling because That's probably, personally, for me, I don't know about for many other people, one of my biggest things I have to keep doing is feeling that humbling, but then also a comforting of the Spirit, because I realize things can really change. Isaiah talks about that, and I think that's, for me, also, too, why Isaiah gets very tough, because I can look back and have twenty twenty vision and go, well, of course it's going to turn out this way, and of course these things happen. But the reading gets really tough when I realize that the Lord will also prepare other things for us in here. And whatever it is, we as a people have to be prepared exactly as you said to, or have that habit down of being able to be led and have an understanding. Right.
2: Yeah, I think that when we're talking about
0: trying to avoid
2: all the woes that he talks about and trying to avoid pride and trying to remember that it's only through the Savior that we can do this, there's there's kind of a duality to it. Um, in 2 Nephi t- chapter 25, verse 23, he says, For we labor, to dil- labor diligently to write, to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ, and to be reconciled to God. For we know that it is by grace that we are saved, after all we can do. The message that Satan has is that it's not necessarily... Um, Satan will never come to you and say, you should do bad things. But he will come to you and say, no, all you have to do is uh, just trust that he'll take care of you. You don't have to do anything else. Yeah. You know, he he's good, right? God did all this for you. And so he did it for you. And you just have to say, I accept it. I accept your sacrifice and you're
1: good. Well, I think he gets you with a <clears throat> double-edged sword. Yeah. One side says, you've done enough. Don't worry about it. Yeah. you're part of the church you're saved you know I, saved by association you could, could be worse or, or you know <laughs> your, your grandparents were pioneers that's good enough right
0: yeah.
1: or oh, the other side is you'll never do enough
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's never enough
0: S- something for me at least with how i've seen him operate in my life imagine a brother who's really close to you you have two brothers Literally in this life. And there's one who seeks to deceive you because he doesn't want to obey the parents. And the reality is is that somehow in our hearts, at least me, I'm thinking, he knows me so well. Christ knows me. But guess what? I also dwelt in the pre existence with that other brother. And he will lead me down that path even when I think, and it's happened several times, and I've I've chosen that, and I've had to re-choose. But he'll lead me down a path thinking, okay, this is, whether it's, be, you can have all of this if you follow me, but it isn't always that way. He literally knows us inside and out, and he knows our triggers, even when we don't know our own buttons and triggers within us and we have to learn how to navigate with our body and our spirit the same way we did in the first estate and i will find myself whether i am whether it was when i was inactive in the church or even being fully active in the church he is as brilliant <laughs> as the other brother is and it's that constant searching for it's that's to me where the spirit comes in as too who are you going to pay attention to? Yeah. And where do I feel peace when all said and done? And it's, and it's, and I think sometimes for my faith, I keep looking at, oh, I want to make, I would love to have eternal life, etc. But I forget the literal rewards in the moment of just saying, I need to trust the brother, even though it may be harder and it's not as easy and may not come to me on a silver platter but realizing that even though the other brother tells me it's not a short-term pleasure, that it's long-term, the reality is I've experienced enough with the other brother to go, I don't know when he's using a lot of truth mixed with a little lie or a lot of lie mixed with a little truth, but there is one that's always consistent. And that's, that's the difference. So even in the moment, regardless as to wherever I go to, I'm going, that peace. That comes with it when Christ says peace I give unto you it's a great gift and that's I think what Isaiah is trying to say is just that sometimes we have we it's it when we're not in the same culture it's not always easy to understand and I thought about even what I was saying about Brigham Young imagine if you were transported and you were actually shown the Salt Lake Valley or any part of this world and what would happen and transpire that would be a big download. That'd be a lot to take in, unless you had the understanding of peace as to what was going to happen.
1: I was reading on this section in in the Millennial, God's people will enjoy peace, and it and it as you were talking, it it reminded me. Well, let me let me just share what it says, and then I'll I'll, I'll let you know how it uh, how you sparked my thought in that is. It says, visualize yourself in the place of Nephi and his people. Imagine you fled from Jerusalem just before it was destroyed. And now you are part of the scattering of Israel. How might might it have felt to read Isaiah's teaching about the future gathering of Israel and a peaceful millennial? As Latter-day Saints, we have been called to help God gather his people and prepare for the millennial. And, um for me what I was thinking is we know which brother wins we know the outcome we know that at the end of this path is the tree of life or at the end of our lives we come to the Savior there's a scripture I love in the book of Mormon it says I am the keeper of the gate and I employ no servant there you know and we, he is there you know, and whether, and, and as we, we look at this prophecies of Isaiah unfold from the scattering to the gathering to the millennium, <coughs> our mortal lives are going to just be just a tiny spark somewhere along that timeline, you know. But why is it important for us to know and consider the timeline, you know? Why is it important for us, or for Nephi? to read Isaiah's words about the future and the peaceful millennium. It's kind of the same for us, right? Because it gives us hope. It helps things make sense. We see the entire spectrum of of how things are going to play out. And, And for me, one of the most comforting things that I learned through the gospel was We, our Heavenly Father, it is not a surprise to Him that we sin. It's not a surprise to Him that we make mistakes. He actually planned for it. And from the beginning, we said, we need a Savior. Who will go? And that's our Savior, Jesus Christ, you know? And it's not, and we often act as if we are, Surprised. Oh man. These terrible things are happening. Oh man, I feel I don't feel clean. I better not go to church. I better not talk to my bishop. I better. And and that is a that is a real thing. I'm not trying to make light of it. It is a real burden on all of us as we make mistakes, as we treat someone wrong, and we're unable to say, Hey, hey Daniel, I'm sorry. I'm ashamed about how I acted. Instead, we we get defensive. We attack. We build up, or we gather with people that think like us, and we get our spirits together and say, socially, I'm going to send you these messages. We make evil you know?
2: good and good
1: evil. There you go. Right? And and uh, I mean, we we will we continue to have faith. We continue to have hope, and we continue to strive to develop charity. And. Some things that we deal with in this life will not be resolved in this time. We'll have to wait you know and 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 that is difficult at times.
0: wasn't well, that what the atonement's all about? right We all fall short
1: yeah. I, I i just share this one scripture in in revelations twenty one chapter four where it says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And that is, I think, the end game. The, the, the good news. Kind
2: of in conclusion, how do, we, how do we enact some of this? The title of the podcast, Go and Do. How do we go and do some of this? How do we put this into action? Because we've talked a lot of, about a lot of great things, but how do we put this into action?
0: Well, I think you gave us kind of some of the strategy that leads to our tactics we might use. And the strategy, if you will, the, the audience is within our minds to begin with is right. It's what, how do we think? Do we think spiritually? How do we, what is in our mind that trains our heart? Because everything else seems to come out subconsciously from whatever we think about and whatever our heart is on. So I'd say the first, for me, is the first thing is to, um, as a man thinketh, so is he, is to say, okay, I've got to go back through. And like I says, it's, it's what these Sunday school lessons give us the opportunity to do. And that is to focus on come follow him and the lessons but then to literally go home and say, what can I do in my small way? As you said, that spark in time. I may only have one moment today to do something, but what can I do within that moment to strengthen somebody else?
2: Yeah, and a lot of things that are begging for our attention, we need to be looking for end signs that are out there. We need to be looking for the signs of the gospel that are in our lives that are calling us to repentance, they are calling us to be better people, um, and kind of filter through the the stuff that um maybe isn't as as important
1: it's interesting that we we often are carried away by what what is sensational or flashy at times you know we love sensational mormon stories I was in the backyard and the three Nephites came and helped me dig my car out of the (laughs) snow. And you start just that simple. And before you know it, it's in some fireside somewhere, right? For me, what what the go and do for me that struck me was the scripture in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, where it says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And I think as disciples of Jesus Christ, as followers of his teachings, the best thing we can do is honor him by living the teachings. And as we do that, we become enzymes. We become light. We help others. And and what's beautiful about the Savior and how powerful he is, is he can take imperfect beings like us, vast, Different experiences and talents and deficiencies, and use us to bless others, you know, and and if, and while we do that, we are purified, we're sanctified, I agree. and our hearts change. I
0: have a question for you. We're talking about Isaiah. In all of Isaiah's visions, he, having content to deliver, has only. Gone long, long, but don't you think he actually saw that in us as well? In other words, I think he personally. I'm just wondering if you don't believe that he had a full understanding when Christ would reveal himself to him that he had. He could see exactly what you're talking about, and that might have been hard. That's maybe why these teachings are hard because he's trying to convey that.
1: Yeah, but I how think, do you convey it? Yeah, I think. Similarly to Moroni, when he says, "I have seen your day," you know, and for them, I think for them, the right scriptures for our time, or to be seers and prophets and revelators, they have to know, you know, and and uh, and I think that's why why their words are sacred, because not only you know why why ignoring the scriptures comes at a great price because it is tailor-made for us especially the book of mormon the book of mormon is truly the keystone of our religion and that a man and woman will get nearer to god by abiding by its precepts than
0: by any other book and if you then go and do what he would have you do your power to trust him will grow and in time you will be overwhelmed with gratitude to find that he has come to trust you there is no end to the good we can do to the influence we can have with others let us not dwell on the critical or the negative let us pray for strength let us pray for capacity and desire to assist others. Let us radiate the light of the gospel at all times and in all places, that the spirit of the Redeemer may radiate from us. My dear brothers and
1: sisters, Jesus Christ invites us to take the covenant path back home to our heavenly parents and be with those we love. He invites us to come
0: follow me.